0: Dear black people, here are some of the things that school did not teach you about melanin.
1: Uh, Melanin, but it's also in your nervous system, which causes you to transmit information faster and to store more information than any other race. Melanin is also in your eyes that cause you to absorb more color than any other race. And of course, it's in your ears and you absorb more sound. So you will see colors differently than anybody else and you will hear differently. So therefore your music will always be different. You always put together colors differently. Melanin is in your taste buds, which cause you to have the ability to taste the full flavor of the food, to absorb more, more taste. So you always combine your food differently and you eat somebody else's food and say that's bland or whatever you want to say, you know what I'm saying. It's what we call the biochemical marker of life. The more melanin you have, the more civilized you are. The more melanin you have, the more psychic you are. I'm saying the more melanin you you have the more human you are.
2: There is power in the knowledge that
0: you have. It's power driven towards your success in life. To overcome any obstacle that may be before you. To acknowledge with knowledge. You literally just talk yourself into being. Who you see in your subconscious mind, you've brought that to the forefront to acknowledge with knowledge. <laughs> going on, beautiful people? It's your girl, Kira Savvy. Savvy Kira on Instagram and Facebook. And this is, you already know, literally just talk radio. To acknowledge with knowledge. Talk Heavy TV. We are back for another episode. And in this episode, I'm super excited. Ladies, I hope you enjoyed your Mother's Day weekend this week. I definitely, well, this month, I definitely decided to take a little hiatus and put my feet up, drink a little wine and just relax a little bit because you know what? Sometimes us women, especially moms, we need that. So on today's show, I'm super excited to introduce my next guest, Ms. Genesis Amaris Kemp. Now I also had the privilege of being on uh, Genesis podcast, Jim's podcast. And Genesis is a visionary life coach motivational speaker, and author. Honey, got it going on, okay? As well as a fellow podcaster, she wrote her best-selling book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, and that was uh, really just phenomenal. I had an opportunity to read the first chapter, and it's definitely a must-read. She wrote Chocolate Drop in Corporate America after encountering inequality in the workplace environment. Genesis used her personal experience to highlight what it means to be a Black woman in corporate America and the pitfalls she actually faced and the inequality that she faced because of it. Genesis, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Kira Savvy, and it feels good to be in the hot seat and just kind of pump my brakes and just relax. Girl, I know that's right. And thank you that. <laughs> yes.
0: Indeed. So how much time did you actually spend in corporate America before you wrote your book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America?
2: Ooh. Okay. So I was in corporate for 15 years in oil and gas for a total of 12 years mm. out of that 15. And I think I wrote my book when I was coming up to the exit of me leaving oil and gas. So I think it took me probably about six, year, six years to write the book because that's whenever I said enough is enough. And it was time to really be vocal and unapologetically me. Right.
0: And was there anything specifically that happened that really drew you to really speak and write about your experience as a black woman in corporate America?
2: Oh, yes. I don't even know where to start because there were so many different incidences that happened. Like, let's talk about there was a pay disparity. There was also, you know, comments about not wearing your hair naturally curly. As you can see, I'm rocking my curls today. Okay. So I always felt conditioned to get my hair, you know, laid and do that Dominican blowout so you could fit the part. Especially if you were the only melanated person on your team, mm-hmm. then you definitely needed to get in where you fit in because there was a certain demeanor you had to carry yourself at. Then whenever I went to do a stent in the chemical plant, there was a lot of racism there because once again, I was also the youngest person, the only melanated, or as I like to say, chocolate drop in that setting. I had an office and just working with people that were out in the unit. So that's people in the refineries and different stuff like that, that there were, you know, some times where I would say certain things and they would second guess or not necessarily want to listen to me because one, I was young, I was a woman of color. And I even heard the comment, what gives you the right to be here? As if I didn't get a degree. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And you know what? And that is solely based upon the color of your skin and how often do, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color have to actually deal with that in a workplace environment? And how often do these things actually go unnoticed or go unsaid? And, man, I tell you, I'm definitely glad that you got out of that. So with the work that you were doing in that time, how difficult did it really make your job facing that inequality?
2: It was difficult because when I started with this Fortune 500 company, it was me um, leaving a smaller corrosion company where I worked there for four and a half years, and I started from the bottom as an imaging clerk, and when I left there, I was an HSC manager, which is health, safety, and environmental, and then when I went to this Fortune 500 company, even though I had the credentials and I had the knowledge of their proprietary assets they brought me in as administrative assistant. But what I learned in that was I needed to humble myself in order to get my foot in the door so I can navigate. So I was an admin ass- assistant for four and a half years. Then I moved into uh, being a raw material coordinator. So I, all the raw materials that went into making polypropylene, which is a form of plastics. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole ex- plant. Then from there, I went on to trade regulations and compliance via a brand new role that the company had just created. So then I became responsible for three global distributors and one freight forwarder for the commodity polyethylene, other form of plastics. So just going through the transitionary periods and just moving up as I did, you know, the chatter began to talk because people are like, oh, Oh, what did she do to get outside of that? Hmm. Did she do something strange for a piece of page? Did she do this or not? When in actuality, I just learned how to effectively network and make organization that I was in, but outside of the organizations. And I did that doing step out opportunities, which are volunteering for um, nonprofits that I knew the company supported so I could get outside of the office and get to connect with fellow employees that were not necessarily in my direct line of work. And that's actually what led me to getting that raw material coordinator position because the lady that was retiring, she put my name in the hat because she knew my work ethics um, personally, not just in a work setting but also outside how did I handle in a nonprofit space how did I treat people and etc and she knew that I was that I was about to graduate with my degree in supply chain and logistics and technology and I have double minors so one in purchasing and one in OLS which is organizational leadership and supervision Mm -hmm. and you
0: know what and it's, it's so crazy to me despite all of that Despite your your credentials, you know, despite working hard, despite moving up in the ranks, you still were discriminated against. And once again, I know that's something that a lot of people of color, especially being women, where we have to deal with those disparities in the workplace. So I know that you faced that challenge and you faced it head on. So just a bit of advice for anybody who's actually dealing with that right now, uh, Black people or Black women in the face of corporate America or dealing with corporate America. How did you navigate through that inequality? How did you navigate through that discrimination because of the color of your skin?
2: So one thing that really helped propel me with the navigation was thinking about, you know, my parents, my parents, not American. My dad was from Curaçao. He passed in November of 2020, which is off the tip of Venezuela. So South American descent. And my mom is West Indian. She's from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So when I see my parents and some of my other family members come here to have to work twice as hard due to the color of their skin and still being seen differently, because even though we are melanated, they still don't see you as a typical Black American. they see you as a foreigner and me being born as a first-generation um woman it was it was difficult. another way that helped me navigate it was thinking about you know my nieces and nephews because if I knew that I could stand up and pave a way, then I'm gonna do that because it's not just about Genesis but it's about those who are coming besides behind and future generations to come. So what did I do to really effectively navigate was the power of networking because mm. it's not always about what you know sometimes it's about who you, who know, you know or who knows you so they can mention your names and rooms that you may not be afforded the ability to go into. Mm -hmm. It's about building those relationships with allies, people who may be on the other side of the track, but they don't necessarily see color. They see the quality that you're bringing. And I tell people there's a difference between quality and quantity. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing is asking the right questions, making sure that you could get your base job done, but also you could take on extra. Curricular activity. Can you volunteer going out asking for help? So in the world of corporate America, there's going to be politics, but there's politics everywhere. But the most important thing to remember is not to lose your morals, your values, or your characteristics at the appeasement of others, because mm-hmm. you don't want to sell yourself short or to make a big buck because people are going to always remember what you did, but you want to show Obama's when they go, you go high. And you want to set the presidents to let them know that I am more than that. And I don't need to diminish myself in order to hide it.
0: In acknowledging your experience, how did you turn that into becoming a visionary life coach and a motivational speaker?
2: Okay, so I was doing work on the forefront as well as behind the scenes with diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And I'm in higher education, and I need a coach like you to help me navigate how I can represent students so there can be in the higher education space. And in that moment is what jumped jump started me because I was already giving advice and etc for free. And then I said, okay, after getting laid off, like there's no other income. So I need to do something so I could sustain my household and contribute along with my husband. So that incident and just to know the value that I was bringing to the forefront and helping this woman definitely jumpstarted me in the visionary life coaching space. And then to answer the second part, what led me to be a motivational speaker. I definitely think the book catapulted, talk about why I was so passionate about the work that I was doing and why I wanted other people to not remain voiceless. And
0: acknowledging your experience, how did you turn that into becoming a visionary life coach and motivational speaker?
2: So whenever I was first approached by a non-melanated person. She following me for a while, she really resonated with the work that I was doing and she wanted to bring that to the university that she was at especially since she was working with students of color and she asked if I would be open to coaching. And at the time I was not coaching. So it was that one conversation and the coaching experience that had went well that opened the doors for me to be a visionary life coach. Because what I did was I actively listened to what the problem was and based on my background knowledge, I gave her solutions to that. And not only was she able to make a move from one university to another, across the country. She said that I provided more value than she was asking. She just wanted, you know, just kind of some guidance and to know that she was on the right track. But I really went deep diving with her because I knew as a woman of color and also as, you know, a student in college, if you don't necessarily have all the information, you're not going to have access to certain financial aid, You're not going to have access to different scholarships, grants, and et cetera, because they're not always giving you that information like they're giving the non-melanated students of color. So by me helping her, I knew that it was going to help somebody else that looked like me. And it was just incredible just working with her. She was my first client. And from there, she passed on my information to other people who were interested in that. So that's how I started in the visionary life. Life coaching, and it's all about having the right mindset, understanding what your paradigms are, and really understanding the RCA, which is the root cause analysis to why you think the way you think, why you feel the way you feel, and how can you move past that so you could really live out life optimally. And then the second part of your question was what what made me get into the motivational speaking aspect or arena. Mm -hmm. So definitely the book helped with that. Just me just being bold and wanting to talk about the book. Because what what good is having a book on the market if you don't really market it and talk about it? Because a publisher right. house is not doing that. So you have to be the one to really solidify and market your brand. Because your brand is your baby and your brand is a part of you. So by me, just getting up and just overcoming those limiting beliefs and et cetera, then not only was I saying that I was a visionary life coach, but I was also going to be a motivational speaker because there's only one person that has the voice of Genesis Amaris Kemp, and that's me. And I know that God put that voice inside of me for a reason. So I can't allow my gifts to lie dormant because I'm afraid of what people are going to think and feel. That's just on them. But what I can do is use My voice to be powerful and take ownership by having confidence because you never know how what you say is going to make an imprint in someone else's life. And out of that imprint, how is it going to drive an impact? Because it's bigger than just Genesis, it's bigger than just Cure. It's about what can we do collectively to help everybody else.
0: Right. And you know what? And that was one of the things that we had mentioned. In our conversation on the GEMS podcast, it's about being a collective. It's about working together. It's about realizing that our journey and our path forward is not just about us, but it's about what our calling is and what we're being used to do. So right on, sis. And I'm so glad that you're a part of that. So speaking of the GEMS podcast, why don't you tell us about that and how did you even come up with GEMS? You know, How did you even get that started?
2: So gems came out after my father passed to medical negligence in November of 2020. And it was November 25th, to be exact, the day before Thanksgiving. Mm. And I would never forget how I got the call. First, they said, Oh, are you the family of so and so? And I'm like, No, because they told me the wrong name. First of all, then they're like, Oh, no. No, this person. I was like, yes, that's my dad. What's wrong with my dad? And they said, oh, he was found unresponsive in his hospital room. We've been working on him for eight minutes. We'll call you if anything changes. So then 12 minutes goes by, and I get another phone call. I said yes. And they're like, oh, we've been working on your father for a total of 20 minutes. There's nothing else that we can do. Sorry for your loss. And they ended the phone call. But coincidentally, my father's room was right across from the nurse's station. And I was hands down a daddy's girl. And I can't tell you Mm -hmm. how my heart just sunk. Because before that, eight days prior, my dad had a surgical procedure. So why wasn't he on a monitor? Why wasn't certain things done and etc. So I just felt like there was more that they could have done for my dad, but they just chose not to do it. And there's other things that have happened that I'm not going to mention right now on this podcast. But if you want to know more, we could definitely talk about it on another yeah. day. So that definitely um, led me to be involved in a deep, grief and I just got so tired of people telling me how I should grieve when in actuality they they did not lose a parent and both of their parents were very well alive so how can you tell a person who just lost a parent how they should grieve and that they're that they're in a better place and etc you could just say is there anything that I can do for you so I just started you know just talking into the mic and that was therapy for me because what good is it to talk to somebody that can't understand where I'm coming from, or says something that's condescending or diminishing my views and my emotions, because my emotions are very well real and and present to me. They're Absolutely. my emotions. I have went through that. And so I tell people, that's how I started my journey. I did a lot of solo episodes where I get real, raw, and uncut. My Mm -hmm. show is very much real. As you know, Um, Kira, I don't edit anything. And I just believe in just having an open and honest conversation And the reason why I named it gems was because if you think about diamonds, you think about oil, you think about all the assets, none of those assets come just at a surface level. You have to really go beyond the surface level in order to uncover the gems or Mm -hmm. find the hidden treasures. So each one of us has a gem inside of us or multiple gems that we're carrying. So why not bring it out in the open and begin to collect with other people. You're collecting their gems. And whenever you collect multiple gems, you're able to make a beautiful masterpiece. And the mission behind the show is to bring on topics that are educational, inspirational, and motivational, Mm -hmm. while also weaving in the need and necessity for diversity equity, inclusion, and belonging because it takes all of us, no matter where you're from, how you look, how you talk, to come together to make this world a better place.
0: Right. Because you know what was crazy, Genesis? You have an amazing story. And I know that, you know, someone who has also lost her father, he's very proud of you. And he's very proud of the work that you're doing and what you're becoming and and what you're influencing and how you're influencing people. I think it's phenomenal because you and I, as different as we are, have a very similar start. I also started my show as a solo cast, just speaking my mind, speaking my heart, wanting to connect people to who they really need to be. And this is what the world needs they need more people like us so I definitely appreciate the work that you're doing and I appreciate this connection
2: thank you so much and you know as the song says we all need love and we're just passing through and you never know how your pass through and your pass by is going to ignite flames in somebody else
0: indeed 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 Genesis why don't you tell the folks where they can find your book where they can find the podcast, where they can follow you and follow the work that you're doing.
2: So my book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, From the Pit to the Palace, is available on Amazon. The first edition is just Kindle only. The second edition is paperback. You can find it at some of the major brick-and-mortar stores such as Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target, etc., You could also get the first chapter of my book for free on my website, which is GenesisAmarisKemp.net under the book page. All of my other information is there as well, like the podcast, GEMS podcast. The radio show that I do, which is internet-based via WBNN and Blog Talk Radio, as well as I have some merchandise out and some other freebies under the features and merchandise tab, which is a health assessment because I'm a big component on what good is having wealth if you don't have quality of health to enjoy the wealth that you acquired. And then a Kiani Sunrise product, which is your super foods and super nutrients to just really put that good nutrition back into your body. So you can really live life optimally because there's so much junk on the market that is not good for your overall body. So I'm a big um, component of that is just really being being whole. And when I say whole, you have to be whole mentally, physically. Emotionally and spiritually, which connects with mind, body, and soul alignment. Yes. And I'm on. I
0: need to give some snaps on that, honey, because that was that was all I needed. Okay. I don't know about y'all, but I definitely needed that. I'm definitely gonna make sure that the website is in the comment section below. Y'all make sure y'all like this, y'all share, y'all subscribe to Mind of the Storm. Make sure you check out Genesis on the Gems podcast get her book. Yo, Genesis, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you.
2: My pleasure, Kira. Kira and thank you for always keeping it savvy. Hey, you already
0: know, honey. Yes. <laughs> All right, folks. Till next time. Peace. Every Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Open Mike's Cafe. Make sure y'all check that out on Mind of the Storm on Facebook. Every Wednesday with him and Ro, the fuck? Come get your funny on at 12 noon on your lunch break. Our Voice Matters every first and third Thursday on Mind of the Storm. Um, June 16th, of course, another edition of Slick Talk, 517 Avenue of the States. It's an open mic. Make sure y'all come down, food, drinks, and maybe get on the mic and do a little something. June 21st, I will be performing with Dell Shakes Poetry Slam, and we are doing a rendition of William Shakespeare's The Tempest. So with Dell Shakespeare, you can check that out on delshakes.org. It's a nonprofit organization, so you can pay as you like for tickets, but make sure y'all come check your girl out in, in Delaware, because it's going to be a hell of an experience and a hell of a time in my little rendition of Shakespeare. We'll just see how that turns out. Mm. <laughs> um, catch me here next week, June 4th. We'll be speaking with recording artist Stevie Franks and his new and latest album, um, Ride Around, which I think is super dope. So we're going to be talking to him next week. Uh, July 16th. This summer it's a lit summer. Slit talk in the park after dark. For the grown and sexy baby, I will be performing. We got a live band hosted by your man, Quiet Storm. Man, it's going to be dope. Make sure y'all look for the tickets on Mind Storm Facebook page. It's everywhere on my page. Till next time.